On this week's episode of Slashers, Jake sits down with his father-in-law to discuss the movie The Cell. Also, stay tuned until the end of the episode for a special track from Court Order. Once you enter the mind of a killer, you may never get out. You may find yourself asking, why am I listening to Slash's podcast? A podcast about movies and horror for those who love horror. My name is Jake and with me for the first time ever is my father-in-law, Bobinski. How are you, sir? Oh, just never better, as stated before. (laughs) So we are gathered here today to discuss a movie I was shocked you'd ever even heard of, much less that you previously liked and did not like on reviewing, The Cell. Yes, and when when did The Cell come out? Do you remember? It was the year of our Lord 2000. It was actually August 18th, 2000. 2000. Mm Mm-hmm. I saw this for my birthday. And you were what, 12? Yeah. Wow. Appropriate, right? Crazy. That's what I mean. On the Slashes on Slash, we talked about, which is a Patreon bonus bullshit, whatever, mind your own business. I talked about how my dad wouldn't let me watch Red and Stimpy and Celebrity Deathmatch, but the movie where she rips out the guy's titty nipples is fine. Right. With other kids, because it was my birthday party. Seems only fair. <laughs> oh, it's a weird You said child. 12 or 13? <laughs> Well, it was 2000, so I was 87, so yeah, 13. Okay, so you're a teenager. At this point, I was 12 because it wasn't my actual birthday. It was what we did for my birthday. Okay. It was a couple days away. For your 13th birthday. Yeah. When you became a teenager. And then shortly thereafter, on the actual day it came out, I saw Godzilla 2000, which was August 18th, but we'll we'll get into that because that was a a weird year for Jake and movies. Did you know that there was a sequel to this movie? You know, the other day when I looked it up to watch it again and refresh my memory, I did notice a part two. And I thought, interesting. Mm -hmm. I wonder what that's all about. But after watching part one, I really kind of lost interest because it just didn't have the same effect all these years later than when it first came out. Of course, technology was a lot different back then. So it was new. You know, the graphics of the movie were pretty intense, which was kind of nice. The symbolism, the... uh, the desert scenes and things like that. It was nice. You know, the costumes, whatnot. Yeah. The storyline, interesting. Didn't care too much for the acting. Yeah. That's a weak point for this film. On the police officer side, I, I don't know his Vaughn? name. Yeah, yeah. What is that? D- didn't really care for his Come acting on, fella. abilities. Do better. Yeah. It wasn't, I wasn't really sold on his character. Yeah. I have to agree with you. Like the movie as a time capsule is good, but if you take it contemporaneously, it's not that great. But I, I still really like this movie when I rewatched it. I also, here's a fun trick that I actually learned from like malicious advertisers back in the day. I don't know if you know this, but most of the media you watch is actually not played at actual speed. It's actually played at 1.1 speed, which is about 10% faster because over the span of a 20 minute show, you save two minutes and you can sell that ad space. So you're actually already pre-programmed to watch things a bit faster and not even realize it. So I watched this movie at about 1.15. Oh, so nice. Because it makes it right at that like one and a half hour mark, which that's the exact length of my attention span before I start to turn into dumb, 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 bum. You just start drifting off somewhere else. Yep. And lose interest. Looking at my phone every five seconds. Right. Whatever. No, I didn't know that. Simple fun fact. Uh, thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. But uh, all in all, the movie was very interesting. It was, uh, you know, I didn't mind watching it again. 
don't know that I'd really care to watch it anytime soon, but J-Lo did a good good job. It was good seeing her. It was a good premise. The idea of being able to go into one's dreams to help someone out, a schizophrenic person, child actually at first, mm-hmm. and then a, a crazy person later. Let me ask you, does it bother you that Eurythmics isn't in this movie? Sweet dreams are made of thee. Um, Annie Lennox? That, did that happen? No, I'm saying, does it bother you that that song's not in this movie? Because I feel like oh. you could have like a really, like, the sexy scene where he's got like the purple shit coming out of his back, the curtains. Had that song that? even been released Ooh. in? Yeah, dude. Eurythmics, really? Sweet Dreams. That, that was an 80s song. Okay. No, I think it would have taken it in a different direction. It was released in 1983 and recorded in 1982. Okay. Which means I was negative several yeah. years old. Yeah, I was just out of high school. Oh, so it was like perfect right time. You just where you're trying to woo women. You're like, hey, why don't you come back to my house? Oh, I didn't and have to, to worry Lennox. about that. Oh shit! You're taking women up to your apartment as easily as you lifted a motorcycle over your head. That's a story you told me recently. How did you manage that? That was a good story. All true. It's amazing what you can do when you have a, a will to do it. <laughs> Seriously, right? You couldn't pay me to put a motorcycle in an upstairs apartment. Not happened. But you're oh, like, well, hey, why not? All I had was a carport, and I didn't feel it was secure down there, and. It was uh, during the winter, so I figured I'd take it up, put it in the living room right in front of the big window, and uh, work on it. And then you turned it into your Christmas tree. Pretty much. Hilarious. Yeah, well, you know, I, I couldn't think of a better Christmas tree at the time. I think I was only 17, yeah, maybe 18. For an 18-year-old budget to ha- even have an apartment and a motorcycle in California nowadays, that's like amazing. And then you add the fact that it was decorated. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we did things a lot sooner when we were younger. I hitchhiked to San Francisco when I was 16 over Christmas vacation with a buddy of mine. That was fun. But I think we're kind of getting off subject here. This is what we do. Oh, okay. Because well, honestly, like so much of this movie is going to be like, and then this visual, but it's not like, you know, plot point. The plot is super simple, which is why it lets like those flowery other parts get so good. But you're right. I'll pretend to be on task. So the second one, I don't know if you've, you know, you said that you haven't seen it for our listeners. It's fine. It's not good, but the concept is interesting. It, you know, kind of reminds me of that Tom Cruise movie where they basically do Groundhog Day in the future because the serial killer just keeps killing people over and over again. But so in the in part two, is it uh, the same? No, so it's a different one. Yep, only same premise. Yeah, no, it's not even the same premise. It's a guy killing people over and over again and bringing them back to life. And then there's a psychic investigator and stuff. It's literally it's just one of those ones where you use the name so you could like like troll and troll two. So it's stupid. That's the point. You know, you have a lot of movies where they want to exploit the fact that like you know it's a direct to DVD. Somebody's like, oh, I you know, for instance, a good example, Transmorphers. Never you're heard like, of it. Well, you, but you know, Transformers are on. You see a robot. You're like, ah, oh, Transformers. Is that what my grandkid was talking about? Oh, fuck. I'll buy this DVD at Big Lots or Pick and Save or whatever and bring it over to them. And then the kid's sad and everybody hates you and you're ostracized from your family. All, all for 99 cents, right? Uh-huh. Cheap bastard should have got waddled your buns over to Best Buy. Right. And ask some questions. Oh. So I'm 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 assuming then then uh, Jennifer Lopez is an in part two. Not at all. Not even by reference. Yeah. That's probably why the movie tanked. Seriously. You know, she's like super duper rich. I did not realize how rich she is. It's like crazy rich compared to what I thought. Yeah. I don't know how her much albums, she's worth. She's made over 70 million dollars just on music. And then you add her acting career on top of it with such hits like Geely, which is like notoriously terribly bad film. Don't worry about it. Have you ever heard of Sleepwalkers? Night Terrors? 
Me? Yeah. So no. people criticize this movie for ripping that off. It was an episode there. So there's Kate and Nathan, and they're being haunted by memories of their dead partner, McCraig. And then they investigate it and they end up in the boy, like the mind of a boy, like as a smiling sleep trickster. It's like a weird thing where people are like, oh, this movie is a total ripoff. I'm like, not really. I don't think that works. But I had to mention it because I think there is some validity to the movie Spellbound from 1945, where a female psychologist is a key element to catching a criminal by probing his mind in his dreams. Sound with, familiar? With what? Oh, with a dick. Oh, yep. Wow. So she's a hermaphrodite psychologist. So is it a strap on or I mean, can that would be the interesting part of the show to see her try and do that. It's a lot of test, the testosterone for the rest of our uninitiated. Yeah, I'm sure your fans on the other end of the microphone here will appreciate the uh, the analogies and the information that you put forward. But it's all Greek to me, so to speak. Yeah, I know nothing about what you're talking about. Because I always like this where, you know, I can bring someone in. So it, you know, I never want our audience to be like, oh, I can't even start. You ever like you, your buddy was recently like, hey, why don't you watch the Watchmen TV show? And you're like, I've never even fucking watched the Watchmen. So this is all beyond me. I always try and make it sure that every episode we have is as accessible as possible. So nobody's like, oh, I haven't seen that. Like, I try to be informative. So I like having the layman so I could learn, explain to you. And you could be the vessel, the paragon of the audience. Well, I had to spend three dollars to watch the cell again. What? I gave it to you on the fucking. Uh, yeah, but I couldn't watch it on my TV that way. Wow. I, I, I want to see it on the big screen, so I had to break down, spend the three dollars. You know what I mean? So that's why you didn't like it. And you're worth every oh, penny. Thanks. of it. You know what I mean? But I find that if I if I'm even just like a movie, but I don't love a movie, if I've spent even a dollar on it, I'm so much more critical than right. if I got it for free. Exactly. So that's why I tried to give it to you for free. So right. you'd love so that's this movie. why I've been a little bit critical because it, <laughs> it was uh, two ninety nine. Oh, God. Well, and then after tax, boy, howdy. Well, no tax that I know of. Haven't seen the bill yet, but, you know, that was through Hulu. So we'll get into what we call the statistics on the show. So. Oh, stabbing. Statistics. Okay. I know you're probably our biggest fan, so you obviously know this segment. It's no big deal. I know that obviously. You do, you're just playing the layman like uh, we were talking uh, about, of course. <laughs> so it was made on a budget of $33 million. This movie did uh, you know so what? much better than I thought it did. $33 million to make that movie? That's crazy. The, I think I could have done it for about five or ten and pocketed the rest. You know what I mean? Maybe they did. I'm just saying. The, I think the most expensive part would be getting J-Lo on there. Yep, for and sure. And then uh, the CG work, and that's about it. Yeah, at the time, it was pretty innovative, some of the stuff. I mean, you can find anybody that'll hang from a hook these days. Seriously. People will pay you to hang from a hook right. most often. But it ended up making $104 million in the box office. Well, that's not bad. That's, I mean, tripling your money is not bad when that's you think about bad. it. That's not bad. Opening weekend, 8-18-2000. Here, so like I said, I saw this for my birthday. This is a couple weeks after Hollow Man came out. Oh, Remember that? I do. Kevin Bacon molesting a redheaded boob while she's asleep. That's a weird scene. Uh, if you say so. You don't remember that? I do not. She's passed out and then like her boob comes out and it's all CG as her boobs like being moved and like her nipple flicked and stuff. And you're like, what? I'm a child. Again, I should not have watched either of those movies, but it happened. And so, yeah. So you're mentally scarred from that from this day. Well, I mean, it's the only way I can get off. I mean, uh, that's weird to say. Let's move on. There was also Bless the Child and The Watcher came out around this time. But the three movies I was seeing were Hollow Man, This, and Godzilla 2000. Were you ever a fan of the Godzilla movies? Uh, no. What? I remember watching them as a kid. That was fun. The originals. Yeah, of course. Yeah. With the clanging bells and all that stuff. Hell yeah. And yeah. Godzilla versus King Kong. 
where King Kong takes a tree and starts like throat fucking Godzilla with nope, it? Never seen it. You haven't seen that? Never seen Buddy it. Buddy boy. We're going to have some sleepovers. We're going to watch some kaiju films. You're going to love it. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> the movie was directed by Tarsum Singh. This guy is amazing. Because you know how I said this movie did really, really well, right? For what it was? Right. His next feature film did really, really not. So his next film was called The Fall. And by fall, they mean of the budget. Because the budget is $30 million and it netted $3.7 million at the box office. <laughs> wow. Ouch. Yeah, people still like it, apparently. I haven't seen it. I only found it in my research for this. Oh, very nice. Awkward. But the dude was a music video director. He'd done a lot of R.E.M.'s music videos, Deep Forest, and Vogue. And so when you look at the movie and you think of that, you're like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Because everything is visual storytelling, which is why we've already both been kind of critical of the actors. Because it's like, well, you don't have to act. You just have to be in this scene as it unfolds, right? Well, visually, I think the cell was pretty stunning. I enjoyed it from the opening scene to the uh, forest in the middle of the dunes. It was all burnt and gone. Yeah. You know, with the little kid sitting in there with this little reflector trying to get her attention. I thought that was very interesting. It piqued my attention briefly. And then you're just like, "Eh, what's going on on my phone? No, no. I, I watched it all the way through. No phone. No, I had to put that down. Not like today when I'm playing on my phone while interviewing with you, you know. It's okay. You don't mind, do you? Not at all. Oh, that's what I thought. Doesn't drive me crazy. Don't no, my eyes okay, not twitching. Okay, good, good. My, uh, no, they're both twitching. <laughs> but he said during production, the C word crept into my vocabulary when I made this film. Compromise. Crummy? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> when I read that quote, I was like, oh, wait. Oh, oh, he fixed it. Don't worry. He didn't pull a Jake. But basically, he was talking about his vision would have been weirder. And it was a lot of being drawn back. But I think that's like a great mix that you get when you have like an ultra creative being financed by somebody who's just numbers, right? Sure. Well, you know, if, if you give like, look at the, ca- the gal who was behind the Lion King musical, right? That same gal was behind what would have been Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. And she was untethered there and basically wasted a bajillion dollars and almost murdered some people. Let's move on, shall we? Here's a fun little back and forth he has with those money goons who are sitting there crunching the numbers, right? He's like, no, we need to shoot the desert scenes in Africa. And then the film people are like, what do you mean? Like, there's definitely desert dunes in the United States. He's like, ah, but I would have to scout to find those. I already know where the deserts are in Africa, bro. So why don't you just pay for it? And they did. Seems like a great vacation. Right? Right? And a write-off at that. Exactly. It's a business expense. And I think it was well worth it. It looks uh, great. Judging by the, yeah, the film quality there on the dunes. So we'll get into it a bit later, but I guess I'll just kind of give the trivia now. So, you know, there's the scenes with her and the little boy, Edward, in the desert, right? Correct. And then in the very end of the movie, there's another scene with her and Edward. Correct. And, so, the, des- and the trees are in bloom. Exactly. So here's the thing. That was all shot and intended to be in the first half of the film. When she brings him into her mind, that was just a therapeutic technique to show that she had credentials. And it was like it was supposed to imply that she brought him into her mind, but you didn't really know for certain. And then when she does it with the guy, the bad guy, scary, spooky dude, then it was supposed to be like, oh, she actually does this. So they realized that they cut it because like, ah, we don't have time for this shit. And then they're like, well, what happens to the little kid? So they added it. And in post-production, you were talking about special effects. They add in the snow and the cherry blossoms. So it's like, it's definitively her mind. But that was on the cutting room floor. But it just looks so nice. It's like, oh, well, let's just put it back in the movie. Right. I can see that. 
You like that? It's kind of like yeah, the Native she, Americans, like leave nothing unused, right? Let's right, use right. the whole She's, buffalo. She made herself out to be some goddess or some Virgin Mary or something. Right. And at the end of the movie there with all the blossoms and welcomed him into her bosom and all that crazy stuff. So, yeah. It's intense. That's uh, after she crucifies and murders a dude. Right. Oh, with golden arrows. Right. That was good. Written by Mark Protosevic. This fella was also a co-producer of the film, and he has been very outspoken that he hates the movie. He said that he completely disowned it, that it's barely his original script. He said that there were a bunch of rewrites from other people who weren't even credited, both from Warner Brothers and from New Line Cinema. He's not proud of the final result, and he says that he hopes one day he can make his vision, which you see stuff like the Snyder Cut, like it's totally possible he could do that. It's crazy. So is he the one that produced then the uh, part two that failed? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't believe so. Let me double check because I'm going to be crazy. Uh, wouldn't that be interesting? Oh, I just burped in my mouth and tasted so bad. What do you expect? You're a vegan. Yeah, I just double checked. The only things that he has produced were The Cell, Old Boy, and Freak Show. And uh, Old Boy, have you seen Old Boy? No. Okay, there's one reason to see that movie, which is a fight scene in a hallway, and then it ends in incest, and it's awful, so I wouldn't recommend it. I don't, I'm not a fan of it. it yeah, I don't on. know if I'm going to watch any more of your recommended movies I, after know, watching The Cell. Nobody told me about the, the incest part, because <laughs> that's like a plot twist. So sorry if I've spoiled Old Boy for you, or the Josh Brolin remake. My point being, like, somebody's like, oh, there's an awesome fight scene. You love kung fu movies. This guy uses a hammer and goes buck wild. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'll watch this. And I, by like probably about three quarters in, I'm like, no, nah, mm, 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 no, and you can't unsee it. No, that's the unfortunate part. Mm -hmm. That's why I was very careful what I uh, subjected my children to. That's a good idea. Yeah, so I, I think can, I think you can appreciate that now. I can now that I have kids. Before I was like, everybody should see everything, and people should just say fuck every other word. And now I'm like, I can say fuck in my garage under very strict circumstances, but not in front of my child. Well, not unless you wanted to repeat though, which would be adorable. I have to nah, concede. I wouldn't say that. Uh, Bobenstein. Only on late night comedy. <laughs> so he also wrote Poseidon. I am legend. He did a story credit for Thor. He also did Old Boy, the Josh Brolin remake. He wrote two treatments for Jurassic Park 5 that did not get made. Wait, wait. He did the Poseidon? Poseidon, yeah. The remake of the Poseidon Adventure. The one from 2006. Yeah, it's passable, but it's just a remake, right? Right. So it's like, oh, how inventive really are you? So th this is his only like true unique work. But here's here's one but thing. He can't take credit for it because he said everybody else did it. So, yeah. okay. So he also wrote a script for Batman Unchained, didn't get made. But the big one, he wrote a script for Freddy versus Jason, which was never produced either. Freddy versus Jason, of course, being Freddy Krueger versus Jason Voorhees, which you could basically use this movie to do that. And it would be delightful where you have Freddy Krueger being the J-Lo and Jason Voorhees being the guy who like hooks himself to the ceiling and beats off at VHS tapes. Wouldn't that be fun? He's like in his brain. He's like trying to like fix what makes him so sassy all the time. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so music was by Howard Shore. Uh, you might have heard of him as the guy who's done like every movie ever. No, not me. You don't know who Howard Shore is? No. Uh, I know that you've listened to his music because you've listened to some of it with me. The Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh, that was a good movie. Mm -hmm. Series. You did those? For sure. Uh-huh. He also did The Fly, the David Cronenberg. And he also did Videodrome, the David Cronenberg. You know what? That was a good movie, The Fly. The first one was uh, was better. 
the Return of the Fly? Or yeah. excuse me, the, the Vincent Price? Yeah. You like that ending? Of course. Help me. Of course. Crushing that fool with a rock? That's of course. I don't know. I, I think it'd be... I, this it is seems my, like your generation is just a bunch of imitators, you know what I mean? Because we've already had those movies out. Well, to my credit, The Fly was made before I was born, but yes, I do concede Imitator. that. Imitator. Yeah. yeah. Well, also, my favorite film of all time is Monster Squad, where they imitate the universal monsters by having right, all right. of them in the movie. That's what I'm telling you. You're just trying to, you know, take our work, capitalize on it, and try and make it a little bit better with a different twist. Well, and I just say it ain't working. Let me pitch a movie to you, right? So it's, the, it's your Vincent Price version of The Fly, right? But when the dude is at the end, instead of killing the fly man, they take the ending of Young Frankenstein, where they go on tour, putting on the Ritz, but with a little fly man walking around. Do you like it? No, no, Got to be innovators. That's his little fly voice I did. That's right. <laughs> the makeup was done by Michelle Burke and Edward, spelled E-D-O-U-A-R-D, because his parents suck, Henriquez. They were nominated for an Academy Award, but lost to this little fella you might have heard of called Rick Baker, the guy who did American Werewolf in London and a bunch of other iconic oh, films. good movie. He also, he won that year for How the Grinch Stole Christmas, which- That was our generation. The How the Grinch Stole Christmas? No. So it's like, because you do have one of those, but did you know that the Grinch in the original story was not green? He was just black and white. And then when they made it for like a film thing. That's because they didn't have color TV back then yet. Well, no, I'm talking about the story. When they made it for the TV, then that's when they- <laughs> Right, right, because TV was just black and white. But at that, the, when they aired it, it was in color. You're trying to troll me, but you're, I'm, <laughs> I'm clarifying. That the reason was because of your TV. But anyway, that's not the point. <laughs> On my show, we do this little thing called nicknames where we go through the actors and we kind of give them a little bit of a spotlight. And we also talk a little bit of shit by giving them a silly nickname because when I go through movies, I have a very difficult time being like the character, Dr. Catherine Dean. I'm usually like J-Lo and Deheezy. You want to get into that? Oh, you know, I'd love nothing more than to try my hand at that. Perfect. So what would you call J-Lo in this movie? Yeah, I'm drawing a blank there. Late for dinner. Hey, hey uh, yeah. No, I was. We can only we can call her J Lo. I mean, come on, it's yeah. She goes by many names. Yeah, she's it, multifaceted. J apostrophe low. J period low. J dash low. I mean, she has a, a myriad of. Yeah, names. I can't. I can't come up with anything better. <laughs> Let's move on. What, what about Hanging Boy? Well, no, we we have to go through and talk a little bit oh. of schmutz about her. Okay. So she said of her character that her strength is her weakness at the same time in reference to her empathy, which right. I think is, is pretty poignant. What do you think? I, I couldn't agree more. A little bit of a Florence I, Nightingale I concur. <laughs> so she said that uh, much of the movie was done like after the fact and it was shot in such a disconcordant way. You know, film sets, they don't ever, it's very rare, I should say, that films film chronologically. Usually it's just correct. Right. We have access to what locations we're in. So she said that basically she had to put her entire trust in this director to make something out of it. Because right. as she's in it, she's like, I don't know what's happening or where right. this goes. Or, or when. Yeah. I imagine it's something like somebody giving somebody Legos, taking the instructions away and like shaking it violently. And you're like, I, no, I don't think so. Mm, okay. I think that's a bad analogy. What would you do? Our, an erector set. Lincoln logs. I think it's like showing the train wreck before it happens. But then you have to recreate the train? Right. Wow. Crazy, right? Yeah. Who would want to do that? Go on, like, picking up people's arms and shit all over the place. Yeah. That's messy. So she believes that the moral of the story is violence begets violence because spooky boy Carl, you know, he was beaten as a kid and then he ends up projecting. Do you think that's the moral of the story? Do you have a more profound meaning to this? I do not. I mean, that's that's as good as any. Yeah. I haven't really given it much thought. I'm not really concerned about it. 
<laughs> so, not going to keep you up at night. You're no. not going to have like a, scary dreams. I didn't try and look for a moral significance of the movie. A lot. That's probably why you don't like horror movies that much because that's what I do with everything. That could be. Uh-huh. Moral of the story. Don't have sex in Camp Crystal Lake if you don't want to die. Right. Good that point. That easy. So whenever I'm in Camp Crystal Lake, dude, my schlong is dry every time. I know where Crystal Lake is. I just don't know that there's a campground there. Not anymore. Camp Blood. No, Crystal Lake's up off the 39. Yeah, no, but talking about Friday the 13th, bro. Oh, I thought we were talking about the same thing. Kind of, but different. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> did you know she basically starts her career as a fly girl on In Living Color in 1991? I did not know that. Did you ever watch In Living Color? I think I might have uh, skipped through there once or twice. Amazing. It's where you get like Jim Carrey doing Fire Marshal Bill. You have Homie the Clown. It's a great show. I actually remember some of those characters. Homie, don't yes. play that. Right. Which I have in my vernacular to this very day. But I usually don't say it out loud because I'm afraid people are going to think I'm racist. I'm like, no, I'm referencing a clown from the 90s. It doesn't matter. Yeah, of course. You can't get away with that. Did you ever see Anaconda that she was in? I Yeah, I think so. Where this she was sat the, on the boat. Exactly. Yeah. The little tugboat yeah. where they do like the tracheotomy. Again, imitators. So here's a fun thing. I was, I don't remember what grade I was in at the time, but it was elementary school. And I don't know if you remember in the 90s, saying things were bad was saying they were good. You know what I mean? It was like this, because it was like kids couldn't say badass, but we said bad and that was like good. So I had a friend named Brandon who told me like, oh, I saw Anacondas. It was bad. And he had to clarify. He was so upset by how much he didn't like this movie. He's like, no, but it was bad. It was not good, bad. Just has to say it sucks. Yeah. That's real simple. He's being too preppy. He's got to get down and dirty with it, right? Use some cooler slang. Well, that slang, slang was the shits. Yeah, that slang was used like 20 years before that. So yeah, I can understand their confusion. Keep on hanging on. Just got to keep doing a bunch of <laughs> things from the 70s and 80s. So her favorite scene in the film is where she beats the ever-loving shit out of the die and then murders him. Oh, and nice. Her mom was on set that day. Really? I was kind of surprised that she did a film like that. And I was kind of curious about how her mom might have felt about that. But I guess that answers that question. Yeah. I think, you know, I remember seeing it as a kid and now, because it had been a few years since I seen it most recently. And I seem to like, I maybe I misremembered it, but I don't remember that being the end. Like I have some like warped thought where I was like, no, like she uses the violence, but then it's like the peaceful way of killing the person that, that, that ends it. But no, she just beats the shit out of the fool and leaves him like bleeding in a heap, which in a dream. Well, yeah, it's crazy, which turns out to be reality. Cool, huh? Because you die in your dream. You're dead, apparently. Yeah. Just like Inception. I guess that's why we always wake up when we hit the ground, right? Hopefully. Well, right. Hopefully. Yeah, pseudoscience. I love that the guy's even like, oh, that old wives' tale. Because I'm like, I'm fine. I did a lot of research for this episode. I didn't actually see if you die in a dream, if you actually die in real life. But do you want to know what her favorite costume was in the film? Oh, probably the last scene. You'd think so. Of her dressed up like the Virgin Mary. No, it's it's actually the dream from her dream where the boy goes in, where it's the white gown with like kind of the corset and everything. Oh, yeah. From the beginning. When she was no, riding the that horse. One. That's where she's in his dream. It's when he's in her dream. It's the other white dress. I thought it was the same white dress. It is not. You're not. What's quite, the difference? You're not fabulous enough. Rob. Okay. That's the difference. No, agreed. So what's the difference? Okay. You and I can sit down. I will show you some things. Have you ever watched RuPaul's are, Drag Race? Are, like the, are, are the feathers a little bit uh, shorter? Okay, or? so the feathers, have you ever, you've seen Labyrinth, right? 
Yes, I have. Remember when David Bowie is wearing that exact same outfit? No, I don't remember that. Yeah, but... it's at the end when the world falls down and everything, and they've gone from the stairs and thing. And he's wearing the same outfit as J-Lo. Fucking huh? feathers everywhere, and he's like, let me rule you. And she's like, you have no power over me. And he's like, meh. You don't remember that at all? I do not. Oh, he's wearing white feathers. That's my only association. No. He's ruined me. The so, only time I've seen him in feathers uh, that I can remember was in concert. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was a long time ago. Hell yeah. Back in the 70s. Party time. It was fun. So the costuming was done by Aiko Ishioka. She actually won Academy Awards for her work. Yeah, it was in the same director's 2012 film, Mirror, Mirror. Uh, she stayed with him and did The Fall, and she did Immortals. And so they had a long-lasting relationship until her, unfortunately, untimely death. Some of the costume that you see in this is from her Academy Award winning costumes on Bram Stoker's Dracula. All of like the red armor that you see, like her collar and stuff, yeah. is all just, she just took it from her own workshop. Nice. I did like the uh, the outfits that they were wearing, that's for sure. Crazy, right? Yeah. Loved it. And so J-Lo had actually asked her like, hey, can we make these comfortable? And this woman straight up tells her like, no, like your character is suffering, so you can't be comfortable. Right. Makes sense. Hell yeah. It helps her get into character too. That's the greatest bullshit excuse I've ever heard to be lazy, right? Like, well, fuck, I don't want to have to spend time fixing these seams. No, no, <laughs> just be uncomfortable. To make you happy. <laughs> Suffer for your art. Fuck off. But she... I mean, really, what other controlled costume designers have? I don't know. I mean, that's it. I mean... He, uh, reading that quote, I was—I I don't know if you've seen The Incredibles, where Edna Mode was this like small, tyrannical woman who says like mean stuff. I couldn't get her out of my head for all of the analysis I did on this lady. But the director, Singh, said, quote, in her vocabulary, the word subtle does not exist. And basically, he talked about like this film is an opera. And so there's no such thing as subtle in an opera. So that's why she fits so perfectly. And when he described the film as an opera, I was like, yeah, this could easily have been a musical. It's just not. Right? I didn't see that, but you know. Well, what I mean by that is everything is like, like I said, it's like a music video, right? You have the, the dream sequences is what exactly. you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't expect them to be like guys and dolls. Right. Yeah, no, no. I'm talking about like in his dreams like you'd see like, Annie Lennox, like I'm talking about, you read right. the whole fucking time that they're in his like sexy dreams. And he's got like nipple piercings and like curtains on his back. I'm like, nah, nah, nah. right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I can see that. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I'll, I'll concede that point. Yeah. And I would really love the idea of Vince Vaughn with the stupid Viking hat. Kill the wabbit. That's the only <laughs> opera I know. It kind of reminded <laughs> me of Alice in Wonderland. Oh, there you go. It does a lot. Yeah. That that particular character. Just kind of bizarre. Like, why are you here again? Yeah. All uh, right. You, you had Vincent D'Onofrio was Carl Rudolph Starger. This guy, this guy's art is just like, I'm going to be tortured in everything that I do. Like, you know, you go back to Full Metal Jacket and he's this tortured character and you go to Daredevil when he's Wilson Fisk and he's like this very visceral, emotive version of the Kingpin. Kingpin started off as a character from the TV show back in the day, not even a comic book character. So he was very two dimensional. And this guy's like, I'm going to look at a white wall and come because I'm so in love with it. And then he also did movies like Men in Black, which are just hilarious. Good movies. Right? Yeah. You remember him in the Edgar suit, right? No. You don't remember him in the Edgar suit where he's like, give me some water with some sugar in it. No. Oh, Omar. Oh, Omar. Nope. You don't remember that. No. Rob. I do not. Now, if you showed it to me, I could probably say, oh, yeah, I remember that. But you didn't right see my right facial expression? My, no, I didn't. I didn't look like a giant space cockroach. There's a big microphone in the way. Yeah. So I, I, it's kind of in the way. 
Yeah. I'm sure that uh, if that wasn't there, I clearly would have seen it. There we go. So a couple interesting things about him. He was in a movie called Chained, uh, which was directed by Jennifer Lynch. Jennifer Lynch is the daughter of David Lynch. She also directed Boxing Helena, which is a subject of a Misfits song called Helena, wherein the chorus says, if I cut off your arms and I cut off your legs, would you still love me anyway? Because the guy in the movie cuts off a lady's arms and legs so she can't walk out on him. Isn't that cute? Wow. That's romance, right? Well, if you say so. <laughs> Don't worry, your daughter is safe with me. But funny enough, another actor from this film, Jake Weber, was also in Chained. So I did a little extra research than I normally would have for that very reason. It's good because you need to take up all that airtime with the research. Yeah, of course. Speaking of which, what about the piercings on that guy? Oh, it's suspension? Now, this was, this was interesting because up until that movie, I don't know and I might be wrong on this, that they ever showed anybody up until that point suspended by their skin. Oh, in a movie? I can't. None and, come and to I'm mind. Not, yeah. And I'm not sure if they did or didn't. So that was kind of new and freaky just in itself. Yeah. And there's the interesting parallel when they're suspended when they're doing the brain thing. Well, he was, you know, they said something about, you know, the, the feeling of floating and, yeah. you know, okay, whatever, but. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting. That was kind of the one of the freaky things about the movie at the yeah. time, probably, was just the simple fact that he was suspended, whether it was by Hollywood or whether he actually was suspended, and that people actually had done that. Now, I've seen that since then yeah. in uh, different different ways, but I think that might have been the first. I'd agree with Not you. Not really sure. Did you know that in the production of the film, when he's masturbating while suspended, he actually passed out? Yeah, I could see how that could be a little bit painful. Yeah. I was surprised that the little things didn't rip out of his skin. You know what oh, I mean? Well, those aren't practical effects. But yeah, if they were, I've actually, have you ever seen those suspensions go wrong? No. I have. Not a good sight. Yeah, not really, you know, think I'd ever go to see anything like that. Well, I didn't like go see it live. It's like, it's a link on the internet. You click on it. You're like, oh, wow, that's fucked up. Let me go watch some pictures of kittens. Yeah, I don't even think I'd go and watch it. Yeah, come Just on. don't even have an interest. You, you have morbid curiosity, though. Not really. Okay. Well, then I'm I mean, wrong. you know, I I wouldn't pierce my ears or put hoops in them or, you know, anything like that. But that's, you know, to each his own. So apparently for two weeks after his wife saw this film, he claims that she refused to sleep in the same bed as him because she was so like disturbed by him as a person. Why? Well, that's good. That's interesting. That's awful. Right. Imagine you're trying to have intercourse with the guy and you can't get the visual of him like suspending over a, like a bleached corpse. going. Ee, ee. Right. Well, when he's suspended over <laughs> you, right? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Icky, sticky. No, no, no. He <laughs> described himself as a very shy boy who actually, quote, spent a lot of time in my room staying in my head. So it kind of fit this role. It was easy for him to fit into that role. Exactly. Huh? But instead of murdering women and having sex with corpses or whatever, actually, or just masturbating atop them, he did sleight of hand and magic. So that's a much better way to use your time if you're ever conflicted about how you so should So do spending. you think he made his penis disappear? Is that why he passed out? Voila. You know what I mean? He scared himself. Somewhere there's like a magician in Las Vegas who instead of pulling a <laughs> rabbit, pulled his dick out of a hat and was like, ah! <laughs> So he previously worked as a bouncer for the Hard Rock Cafe and a bodyguard for one Yule Brenner from Westworld Original and wow. Robert Plant. And Robert Plant? Yes. Okay, so now we're talking. Tight pants Robert Plant. Wow. Uh-huh. Now I'm impressed. There you go. He's your favorite actor now. Uh, Robert Plant? No. Nope. D'Onofrio. Oh. Because he protected Robert. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. There yeah, we go. We'll go with that. It's the official story. I tell Sierra what her favorite stuff is all the time. I talked about this recently where I tell people that her favorite song ever is Short People by Randy Newman. And so because <laughs> Because she married a short guy, is that what you're trying to get? Short. At? Six foot one's the respectable no, no, size. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What are we talking about here? Six foot one and a half, depending on what shoes I'm wearing. Yeah, come on, man. You you can barely fit into those shoes anymore. <laughs> But so when I said when she tells Besides, me, you got to worry about falling over and breaking your leg when you're wearing those. My platforms, my yeah. Gene Simmons platforms yeah. with the dragons the, the, on them? the six. Yeah. DB six ah. one flamethrowers and stuff. Young Carl Rudolph Starger was played by Jake Thomas. I only want to mention his career because he played Nigel Planter on The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, which I highly suggest to you, even though I know you've never seen it, because they depict Death, the Grim Reaper, as Jamaican. And it's a lovely juxtaposition. Interesting. Vince Vaughn was special agent Peter Novak. He is bad. Remember when he was in the Psycho remake, Gus Van Sant Psycho remake that's terrible? No. You know, well, good. I'm congratulating you for not knowing. Okay. He is literally, he sticks out like a store thumb in everything he's in. In this movie, it's just not good. The guy should just kind of stick to comedy because he doesn't work in this. I can't, like, when he uses serious man voice, I'm like, okay, where's the punchline? Come on. Come on. Come on, guy from Anchorman. Come on. Swingers, come on. Never comes out, huh? Wedding Crashers, come on. Never happens. The intern or whatever the fuck that movie was called. Never happens. Yeah. He's just it just leaves you hanging. And like I, I understand how the story is supposed to be compelling when he's talking about, you know, the guy who got away when he was a prosecutor and all that, blah, blah. But he's just he's so one note that you can't there's no subtext. It makes you want like the Jake Weber guy, the other special agent, special agent in Jordan Ramsey. Oh. Gordon Ramsey. Special agent. Yes. So this movie should have been called like Hell's Cell. Which is funny because our pro wrestling fans are like, hell in a cell, that's funny. But then also all of Gordon Ramsay's like Hell's Kitchen. Right, right. Yeah, that's fun. It's a little thing I do. I make jokes. It's no big deal. Chopping them up. (laughs) But I always have to remind myself that Jake Weber isn't Timothy Roth. You might remember him from The Incredible Hulk where he's Ivan Blonsky. He was in Reservoir Dogs as Mr. Orange because they're both British. They look exactly the same. But this guy played Michael in Dawn of the Dead. And fun fact, his mother. The original Dawn of the Dead? No, the 2004. Oh, too bad. Sorry, bud. His mother, Susan, was diagnosed with depression and LSD-induced schizophrenia and died of an overdose when he was a kid. So if anybody's talking about like childhood trauma, it makes sense for it to be that guy because he was also used as a drug mule for his father. What kind of drugs? I did not find out, but they were illicit drugs. It wasn't like, hey, child, carry this aspirin illegally. Hmm, Interesting. We had Dylan Baker. And he never got caught, apparently. No, no. Because statute of limitations is run. That's like prison Mike from the office. Never got caught. Good for him. So Dylan Baker was Henry West. I have to mention him. I'm legally and contractually obligated to mention him for four reasons. One, he was Doc Connors in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man franchise. Two, he was in Requiem for a Dream. Three, he was in Fido. And four, he was in Trick or Treat, the horror anthology. I don't really have a nickname for him. He's, I mean, old lucky one arm because that's what Kurt Connors has. One arm. Gotcha. Next, we had Marianne Jean Baptiste as Dr. Miriam Kent. The director said of her, she is so hilarious and so good at improvisation, she needs to do comedies, I swear. But instead of comedies, she did movies like the Robocop remake, which, yeah, we don't have to go there. No, it's probably best. Mm-hmm. Then we had, this is probably the like the most fun I've ever seen a director trash someone. Tara Subkoff played Julia Hickson, who you'll remember is the girl from that's abducted and put in the cell, the namesake of the film. She says in her interview, her, her audition, 
that she can swim. He's like, you're sure you can swim? And she's like, I can swim. In fact, I'm a lifeguard, she says to him. She was lying. She could not swim at all and almost died. She couldn't go into the water without holding her nose. So the whole water tank scene is like this terrible thing. So during the director commentary for the film, he's just like, anytime she comes up, just like, oh, and by the way, she's a fucking liar. (laughs) But the only real relevant things I can find about her, she was June in the Notorious Betty Page, and she took acting classes with both Angelina Jolie and Keanu Reeves when she moved to Los Angeles in 1991. That might explain a lot. Whoa. Let me ask you, do you think Angelina Jolie would be better in this movie than J-Lo? Uh, no. She doesn't evoke sympathy. No. But I think for style's sake, those cheekbones could do wonders for this film. Maybe she's J-Lo in the real world, but her mental image of herself inside the pervy man's dreams is right. Angelina. She might have been able to pull that off. Mm, I like it. Then there's a bunch of other people who I don't care about. Shall we get into the film itself? Oh, shall we? Boom. So they're in the desert and she's all like, bada bing, boom, ba. Hey, kid, get out of the fucking log. And he's like, ba, 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 bing, ba, bing, ba. You don't remember this? Right, right. They do the scatting contest. Yeah. Oh, maybe I'm watching the director's cut. Sorry. I think I might have been asleep during that one, <laughs> that, that portion. Because I wish that we were still doing video podcasts because the look <laughs> on his face is like, I watched the wrong movie. Yep, that's <laughs> what happened. <laughs> so she thanks him for the horse and it very quickly establishes all the rules you need. When she thanks him for the horse, you know he's in a position of power. It's his mind. It, it's very clear. Did right. you feel it was? Sure. And that he was boat. controlling the uh, environment that she was in. Exactly. Absolutely. Coming up with the excuses because she's like, we're going sailing today, right? And then what happens? Nothing. Exactly. There's burn up boat. There's a little toy boat. And then basically he's like. A broken toy boat. Toy boat. Toy boat. Yeah. Try and say that. <laughs> and he talks about Makalok, the boogeyman. And she's like, well, where is he? And then he's like, ah, spooky face me. And, and he looks and like one of the. jumps sl- in the log again. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I'm Rumpelstiltskin, me gold. Or wait. Well, he has gold. He's. I just did a leprechaun. It's fine. We'll move on. He looks like one of the cat people from Sleepwalkers, if you've ever seen that film. No, I have not. Lucky you. Right. So she presses the button on her hand and she like wakes up and goddamn, working nine to five. I wish I had that little button to be like, ah, oh, get me anywhere the fuck away from here. Right. And she's suspended by wires. Let me ask you, does she look more like one of the Cenobites from Hellraiser to you or more like one of the people from Dune in her little red outfit? That's a good question. I really hadn't uh, thought about either movie in a long time, so I have to process this a little bit. And I'll say Dune. Yep, I agree. Because at first I was like, oh, it's a Cenobite because she's like torture and hanging. I was like, wait a second. Nope, that definitely looks like she could poop in that and drink the water. Right. Which happens in Dune. Good movie. It is really good. So yeah, she has to give a code to everybody and be like, hey, I'm alive. I'm fine. And then the kid's parents are like, hey, you fucking suck. We've spent all this money. Why do you suck so bad at your job? And she's like, I don't suck at my job. And they're like, no, she doesn't suck at a job. And that whole scene is like, that's it, that's a little bit too expository for me. You know, there's so many like good, like I said, the, the scene right Why before. Why they even have to go there? Exactly. Just show a scene Pointless. where like two cranky people walk in and she sees them go to her boss and she's like, oh, I'm on the chopping block. Like, that's all you need. But it was like a little drawn out considering you just gave us the entire rules of, you know, brain therapy in a two sentence exchange with a little boy in a log. Right. Subtlety. Less is more. Yeah, that must have been one of those scenes that the director didn't have anything to do with. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's one of those C word scenes where he's like, all right, right. fine, I'll be more overt and on the nose. So then they're talking about how there's no proof at all of how this procedure works. And you cut to a turtle 
in a field and a guy with a dog driving to like this silo and there's a woman and she's drowning and then she starts twitching and he starts grabbing his wiener and he's like, Meh. and then it goes right back to her. So again, a lot of visual storytelling, like, you know, there's evil afoot, right? You know, he's a bad dude. And so what do you think about the scene where he walks into the silo and she's floating there, mm-hmm. presumably already drowned? Yeah. And then all of a sudden she starts kicking. Does that make sense? Or was that just for effect? Or I think it's, did he yeah. walk in there just exactly at the time that she was getting her grasping her last breath? Or you think that was a little over the top? Or I think it was over the top, but it serves a purpose. Well, I think it got everybody's battle. attention. That's for sure. Which also, I thought was part of the part of the plot. They do a good job in this movie of making him sympathetic. And it's one of those things. It's very much a Jeffrey Dahmer scenario. Well, it seemed like it scared him too. Exactly. Like he, Jeffrey Dahmer used to have to get blackout drunk before he could murder people. Right. And so Is this guy, right? yeah, he would, he didn't wouldn't know kill that. people otherwise. And so when he did all of these experimentations, they were already dead because he never got any fetishistic pleasure out of them be killing them. It was manipulating the corpse and stuff like that, that he And liked. how did you find that out? Oh, podcasts and movies and stuff. Your daughter and I actually went and saw a movie about him. But with this guy, he wants the product. He wants the dead body. He does not. He's not the process guy who likes the killing. He His process is after they're already dead. So this shows he's almost afraid. And But that even goes even further when he's afraid to even touch the woman. Like it's a very, a lot of storytelling that you can extrapolate without Doesn't a single word Doesn't seem to have a said. problem grabbing him and throwing him into a car. Fucking rear naked choke, right? Jiu-jitsu. How long do you think it took him to train that dog to lie down in front of a, a backing car? Just imagine how awkward that scene is when they're driving away with her like <laughs> unconscious in the back. And he's like, who's a good boy? <laughs> I'm get hit by the car. But even that methodology that he uses, yeah, that's Ted Bundy. Bundy used to act like he was infirmed and he'd be like, oh, God, can you help me? And then he'd drag women into cars. Same really? thing. He has a dog. Didn't know that either. Yeah, dude. You know an awful lot about that stuff. You're starting to make me a little nervous. Because it seems like I've seen you limping before and without a reason. And you come over to help me with stuff all the time, exactly. right? Exactly. What's up with that? Is it real? One Am day. I just being suckered into helping you, like maybe making the baby's room or what? Yeah. I, you're just be grateful you haven't seen the basement yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got to dig that yet. Yeah. Right. But I'm going to make you help me dig it. That's the <laughs> oh, thing. Oh, hell no. While you're already down there, <laughs> clang with the shovel. So you find out J-Lo wants to reverse the feed, and she's like, hey, let's put the kid in my brain. Bing, bong, bing. Nothing wrong could happen there. Right. I mean, it is just a kid, right? You do have the little magic button that you can push, right? Ooh. I, what Unless you're Would she have a magic button apart? to eject them? Because the kid would have to press the button. Maybe she has to push his button. Oh, ring his bell. So to speak. I like the idea that she has like an, an ejector seat button and she like violently shoots his brain back into his body and he just like goes flopping across the room. Yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting when they separated her hands. She couldn't get to her butt and I almost knew that was going to happen. Oh, yeah. The first time I saw it. Well, it's cool because the physical manifestation, because that's the whole thing. It's like, it's not real. You don't actually need to press the button, but you need to press the button. That's pretty cool. Because they actually put a physical chip in hers. It's not just her brain. So I like right. it. So then there's J-Lo smoking weed. And she's like, what's up, dude? <sighs> like, that's an It couldn't thing. have been as good as it is now, right? Yeah. Now you got all that like, recreational grade stuff that makes you see into the future. She would have known not to get into Pervo Boy's Maybe brain. they should have had the weed then that they have now. And it could have been a totally different movie. That might have helped. Maybe. While she's smoking the weed, she's watching Fantastic Planet. Have you ever seen that? Yes, I have. Yeah, with the blue alien people and whatnot. So that's how you know it's not a clove cigarette that she's smoking. It's definitely weed. 
Well, it kind of smelled like a clove cigarette. Because <laughs> you had smell vision That's what you paid for exactly. YouTube. That's why you paid for the paid That's from the 70s. <laughs> so she's like, starts looking down. And she's like, whoa, so trippy, man. Like My sheets look like a desert. And so she's having a dream about the kid in her mind that doesn't go very well because he turns into Seal Boy and attacks her. Awkward. What do you think of those special effects? I thought they were good. Yeah. I thought the special effects of the movie were were pretty good, especially for the time yeah. that they were made. I think maybe she should have just smoked some different weed or not smoked it at all, and then she wouldn't have had to worry about that. But then, as fans, we wouldn't have been able to see that scene. So, Or do something like really like ayahuasca and get like fucked for a couple of days and go on a spirit quest with Seal Boy. Wow. Like, spirit quest. You know what I mean? Now we're talking Native American. Like lone wolf and cub, but instead of like a baby strapped to her, it's a Seal Boy, and she's got like a katana, and she's going through the desert wasteland. You don't like this movie? <laughs> no. I fucking love this movie. It sounds good. I think you should do it. <laughs> yeah, with my we're green just screen. Look, we're just looking for people to uh, you know, pay for it, right? Yeah. Hey, Patreon patrons, blah, blah, blah. you can help finance a terrible movie idea that I had in my garage studio. Yet another. Yeah. We go to Vince Vaughn, who's investigating. They find the corpse, you know, and he's basically of the theory like, hey, this dude clearly wants to be caught because he left the dog hair. He did this, you know, in where people could see. He clearly knew this was like a shallow bridge to throw a body in. So he knew that we would find it. So he's establishing he knows the guy. He's on you the You don't quest. think he's just stupid? Yeah. Well, he's saying it's very deliberate, which, okay. And then it cuts to the guy. And I he's, think they give him too much credit. Uh, yeah, because you don't see him do like a whole lot of mock. Well, you do because that cell is a pretty legit setup. So he's got to, you know, be at least something, you know, something cool going on there. Yeah, maybe. So he you see that this guy starts having like neurological fits. He keeps taking aspirin and stuff, which push short circuiting. Right. And you find out I had put in my notes. Oh, it's a husky. And then they're like, no, it is an albino shepherd with hypopalamosis because that means he has no melanin in his skin. And then they're like, oh, we will track down the dog based on the dog and we'll find the guy and the green Ford. And so they find him. Right. Too and, easy. But that's not the movie isn't right, the procedural. Right. I know they've got only so much time to be able to find him in a movie. But I gotcha. You're picking up what I'm laying down. Would you think that this would make a better like series on like a Netflix? Like the first episode is this. The second episode is that. Second, Yeah. Well, I think that uh, had it come out here in the future <laughs> the distant future You're right that they probably would have done something like that made it into a miniseries i think it works and also it's crazy thing 20 years and this movie still holds up pretty well visually when you compare it to a lot of the 2000s when they were exploring cgi right yeah that's probably where the, most of their budget went anyway for sure so you establish Vince Vaughn's been sleeping at the office because he's so obsessed with this case. Then they find out that he's abducted the new girl and it's only been six days this time. So they're like, oh, he's wanting to get caught. He's ramping it up. This is a whole thing. And when they finally catch the dude, he's had a neurological fit, seizure, but bam, head first on the tile floor, butt out in the air. And they're like, well, what do we do with this guy? He's in a coma, but the girl is still abducted. So where do right. we go? To the hospital. Science land. Right. And then we go and uh, try and get J-Lo to go in there and save the day. Dun, da, dun, da, dun, da, da. I, I don't know why I did Indiana Jones, but the idea of her and his brain with a whip is fun. Yeah. And I can Devo see in that. the background. I'm just going to keep Devo? getting weird. Yeah. Whip it good. Do, do, okay. Do, do, do. Just imagine when he has like the demon horn haircut and you just add the Devo hat on the back of it. The little crown. Yeah. The red circle on circle on circle thing. You You love it. So basically, they go into the brain because they're talking to her and they're like, hey, please help us. And she's like, nah, not all about it. 
And then she sees the drowning girl who's like, Daddy, please. And she's like, all right, I'm about it now. I'm going to go enter Creepo's brain. Right. Did that affect you at all? Because as a father, I was like, why? That's cheap. That's a cheap set. Like you knew that I that would cheap ploy. Re- yeah. Fucking con artists. It worked. Yeah. So they say that he has Waylon schizophrenia, which is fake, but sounds good. Like even your wife, my mother-in-law was like, oh, is that a real thing? No, it is not. But it, they say it in a believable enough fashion. So they say it's like having a dream and never waking up forever. And so they go into the machine and, you know, very clear on the button. He's like, why are there three stations? And they're like, oh, well, we used to use three and then or two therapists, but then we don't because the kid only likes J-Lo. And, you know, as soon as he says, that, I'm like, why is oh, Vince who Vaughn? Who can blame him? You He's know what I mean? this fucking guy's brain. Like, why Vince Vaughn? The guy with no training. Like, come on. Well, clearly you could see why the little kid would want her. You know what I mean? Yeah. I could think of a couple reasons. Right. But uh, yeah, especially when you get the gratuitous side butt shot when she's wearing a shirt and no pants in her apartment. I was like, excuse me, objectifying that woman. But then you look at her when she's doing the Super Bowl. She looks just the same. It's crazy. <laughs> like, I felt like my ass was getting flabbier watching this. And yeah. she's like, papa. Hey, she's like, what? Almost 60, isn't she? Crazy old. If not. Ancient. Fucking dried up. I wouldn't say that. Nope, but not at all. Succulent. She still looks amazing. Good for, and it's a lot of hard work and every determination, sure. grit. So I don't know if you noticed this on the screen when they're like looking at the analytics for the people. It's a bunch of gibberish. There's one word that I could find. It was Kraftwerk, which is a band that did computer love that was ripped off by Coldplay. Coldplay. Da, 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 ripped them off. Da, 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 da. Yeah, you should look it up. It's pretty gross. And they got away with it. Wow. So she goes into his brain and she's in a sewer and the whole thing is based on H.R. Geiger from Alien fame. Shocked. It was this painting. What else was an homage to? Not a, they didn't steal it. They homaged it. She sees a little boy. She goes, hey, little boy, come here. I got candy. And he's like, no, you're a stranger. And she runs. And then there's a horse and she tries to ingratiate herself to the kid. She's like, look, this fucking horse loves me. The horse and I go way back. And then the ceiling's like, shaka, foosh, cuts that horse up, deals him like a deck of cards. What do you think? Awesome. That was one of the best parts of the movie back in the day. That shit holds up. Never seen anything like that before. And the organs are still moving inside the little glass slides. Dude. I think I think there was something uh, back in the day that said that that was real. And who knows? Maybe it is. Maybe they can do something like that. I have no idea. But it was pretty interesting. I was a big fan of it. I've, that's like the one visual I always remember in this right. film. Like you say the cell, I don't think about her cute outfits. I think about the damn horse. Yeah. And yeah. even as like a, a pretty little vegan boy, I'm like, I don't know. That's probably the only animal cruelty I'm pretty cool with because the horse is still clearly alive inside the slide. <laughs> well, it was funny is when I when we brought this up, I mentioned that and you said, oh, yeah, the cell. And I didn't remember the, that that was the movie reference to that. But I brought that horse scene up and you identified it right away. Yeah, it's, it's a reference to Damien Hurst, who had his art piece, Some Comfort Gained from the Acceptance of the Inherent Lies in Everything. I do a lot of research for the show. So. I can see that. Yeah, it's pretty gross. You know, as a young father, you'd think I would do that thing called sleep. But if I sleep, then this weird guy with horn hair comes out and tries to suspend over me and masturbate. So I don't like sleeping anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that a fantasy or is that? (laughs) So there's a part where she steps down. There's a fart? It's part. Oh, a part. A part where she steps down. Okay. God damn. Did I actually say, I said part. Do you fuck with me? I think you said something else. So she's stepping down into what's like a lobby where all the women are like 
you know, hung up like dioramas or whatever, right? As she steps down, I'm very, very much reminded of The Shining because there's, don't know if you remember, when Jack Torrance is swinging the axe to get to Shelley Duvall, the camera pans with the axe. The same thing happens. It pans with her as she steps down and it's like a whole new world. That's when you're talking about Alice in Wonderland. That was like a whole thing where I was like, oh, this is the new area because Alice right. is very clearly divided into like sections or like the right. labyrinth. Segments. Exactly. Yep. What do you think of that whole diorama? There's... I thought it was a nice segue. Yeah. Sure. What do you think about Muscle Woman with her crazy titties slamming this broad around and dragging her places? You think it was a woman? It was. Are you sure? That's what it says. Oh, well, if that's what it says, that's what it's got to be. Yep. It's pretty impressive. I'd, I'd hate to meet her in a dark alley. Yeah, dude. Certainly wouldn't want to piss her off. Yeah, not a fan of that. She would do a Kegel and snap my dick off. She had a nice rack for yeah. being muscly. And what's great about having a woman like that around your household, if your sink ever springs a leak, you have all the caulk you could ever need. Just take a safety pin and <laughs> seal it back up with some shellac and you're good. Some shellac? Yeah. <laughs> so they go and there's the purple drapes pulling out of his back and he yells where did you come from and she's like fuck this click right and then she wakes up and she's like not about it and she starts having like the shakiness and she believes that she's real the woman in the cell mind you is getting showered on not with love and affection right cold water she's cranky you get JLo visiting comatose boy and Vince Vaughn's like, hey, can I come tell you about my sad life? And she's like, yeah, sure. Come tell me about your sad life. And he's like, oh, Charles Gish murdered Margaret Sims and blah, blah, blah. And it's basically like the Daredevil origin story if it was like rated R. But he's definitely not Daredevil. Right. So she ends up going back into his brain. And I really like this scene where it, basically it shows how cunning he is because it goes against like the whole idea that he's a victim because this is calculated where she goes into his brain, but he's tricking her into thinking it's the real world. Right. Do you like that? Well, that's because she couldn't get out of it. So what other choice did she have? Yeah. And then from that, it gives you the idea like that's one of the reasons why she starts to question reality and ends up falling for his trap which I understand the need for somebody else to go in after her. The fact that it's the wedding crasher, probably not the best choice considering he mm. has negative five training. Yeah, but what other character is there in the movie? The dog. Put the dog I, in the You know red what? Suit. The, my, the dog might have actually done better. I do think so. Wouldn't have gotten I mean, his if ass you kicked train so the, hard. Right. You can train the dog to fall down behind a car. You can certainly train the dog to bite the hand and pull her out, right? I do like the fact that it's brief, that he doesn't stay in there for the rest of the movie because that would piss me off. Yeah, well. He, he gets in there. He sees the thing. He knows where she is. He's gone. And so that helps. They that The other plot of them getting the girl, that basically goes off without a hitch except for the fact that it's like hidden under some dirt, right? But he gets her and saves her. What ends up happening from here, the brain stuff gets weirder, right? Right. And so there's the dollhouse where the kid lives. So she follows him in there and they accidentally break the plate. The dad comes in and he's like, I'm in a whipping mood. And she's but that like, was after he pushed her in the closet so she could observe everything. And she's standing in the electric eels. How about that? That's fun. Yeah. What's that? What was the what was the symbolism there? I don't know. I liked it, though. Maybe it was a reference to his like seizure kind of thing happening in the bathtub. Maybe he likes Maybe. eels. And really thought about that one. Did not either. That so was very different. Then it cuts, you know, she gets to see him in different eras of his life. Like, this is your life. And it's right. him. he's like having this narrative to her. He says, quote, she was my first. I made such a mess. I didn't know what I was doing. Right. And he says it with this like quaint flippancy of like somebody like, oh, that was my first birdhouse I made in home ec. Right. Right. And so I really like that scene. And then he it's goes. It's not the first time I've heard that. Mm. 
And he talks about basically his first onset of this condition was the baptism. And he thinks he's going to drown. They thought he was having a seizure and his dad beat the shit out of him, broke three of his ribs and fractured his jaw when he was six years old. And he retreats into the shadows. And he comes back looking like the fucking lead singer of the band Mushroom Head. And he's like, and she's like, no, Demon King. What do you think of the horn hair? Does that work for you? Does it not work for you? The horn hair? Yeah. When he has the horns going down his face, that's actually sculpted hair. Right. Yeah, it's all good. Is it too hokey or do you like it? Oh, no, it's all good. It's all, you know, artistic. I don't know what you'd call it. Artistic. Expression. Yeah, thank you. There we go. And so he refuses to acknowledge the demon's name, which I really liked in that scene, because it's basically, again, going to, he's not a human. It's a product. I want the corpse. I want the pale bleach corpse. And uh, this is where Miriam starts to realize that J-Lo's thinking it's real. Then they end up, and when Vince Vaughn comes in, and it looks like Sweeney Todd's beach with the ladies looking up at the sky, that's actually a reference to the painting Dawn by Odd Nerdrum. Tell me that kid didn't get pants in school. Odd Nerdrum. I don't know. He was probably the coolest kid there. Sunglasses, smoking cigarettes. And the <laughs> kindergarten nerd. His, his uh, kindergarten teacher walks by and he smacks <laughs> her on the ass. He's like, why don't you give me a juice box, babe? <laughs> right. And be quick about well, it. Well, at finger paint Dawn, my new expressionist work. So you're talking about the three women out there looking up into the sky with their mouths open, yep. wait, waiting for the rain. Uh, yeah, like a bunch of turkeys, right? Well, I don't know. It was interesting. I, I just pictured... A bunch of people, because there was corn around there. So I figured it's just rows of corn. They're sitting there. They're waiting for God to pour down rain so that they can grow. Mm-hmm. Ain't nothing happening. Like the Dust Bowl. Put on some Woody Guthrie records and right. sing it. was about interesting. It. Just different. So he yells at her while he's being disemboweled with an old 16th century torture device. <laughs> right. Which apparently- From could, a painting. It could get like 30 feet of intestines out before you would die. And you'd have to wash your intestines and go out. So that's pretty interesting in its own right. But he yells at her, your baby brother was in a coma after a car accident. He died. And that's what inspired you to be a, a family therapist. The original draft, the original scene for the movie is he yells, you know, you had an abortion in college. And that's what made you want to be, you know, a child psychologist. And test audiences were like, nope. We can deal with the dude hanging from the roof fucking himself, but I'm not tolerating this shit. And so they reshot it. How do you feel about that? That's interesting. Weird, right? I never heard anything about that. That's how deep dive Jake gets. Yeah, I think uh, I think the, the the original part would have had more of an impact. Right? Yeah. It's, you know, more visceral. Not that somebody should be shamed, but well, no. really is reminded. Like, this is what made you do the life choice you have. I'm reminding you, you are on the clock. Get to work, lady. Yeah, it's so personal when it comes to that abortion and whatnot. It's very difficult to deal with. So, yeah, you can see why that would drive her into that field. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he goes to the real world and then she is like, oh, I'm going to leave. Psych, bitch, I'm taking him into my brain now. And she like locks herself in the room. I love that. Right. But they have a control panel, but she has her own control panel and she basically gets to tell them to fuck themselves. <laughs> a little awkward. Yeah. Well, they, you know, it's the first time we saw that. All of a sudden it was convenient for that to be like that. But whatever. I kind of wish that it she would have sucker punched him before taking him into her brain. What do you think? I don't know. I, you in my house now, bitch. Yeah. It, it, that could work. Welcome to the jungle. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they end up in her brain and she's dressed like this, you know, virginal angelic, well, yeah, you know, mother of Guadalupe Teresa. and stuff. And yeah, there you go. Mother Guadalupe. And then she sees a little boy. <laughs> so, so Anglo of you to say that. Yeah, the virgin, the Guadalupe. Sorry. I have a tattoo of one. So it kind of counts for something. Of course, mine's a praying mantis. 
praying. Right. Anyway, the kid's there and she's like, I'll take care of you. And he's like, he found me. He always finds me. And then she starts to realize that if she kills the kid, she's going to kill him. Right. Because he tells a story that that he found a wounded bird. He was taking care of the bird and he knew that the dad was going to do something worse. So So he drowned it. And so the parable is- So he killed it. She is killing him to save him from him. Right. So deep. Wow. Wow. Mind blowing, Mind blown, for sure. (laughs) Mind blown like a brain at a truck stop bathroom. Am I right? I don't know. I've never been in a truck stop bathroom. What are you trying to say? It's mind blowing. (laughs) I'll have to take your word for that. (laughs) So she pulls out the crossbow and she turns into John Constantine. She's like, ba-da, ba-da, ba-da. Right. And he's like, oh, God, I'm crucified to the floor. And she's like, I told you. It's time to die, bitch. She cracks her knuckles and she straddles that floor. And she's like, and she's Edward Norton in Fight Club. Right. He's like gurgling on blood. And then he's like, well, you're going to kill me. The little kid's going to die. And she's like, want to make it all? Like, Got to crack a few eggs, bitch boy. Fool dies. Her mom is watching. That's going right. to be weird. See a creature that escaped from your vagina beating on a man while a child is bleeding in the background. Even right. if it is fake, that's a mind fuck. Poor thing. Seriously. Let's give it up for J-Lo's mom for not being crazy after this. Uh, you know what? I'm surprised she was there. Yeah, that's kind of brave. But you go. You know, I'm surprised that, it, that J-Lo subjected her mom to that. But, you know. Yeah, because you you know what's on the shooting schedule for the day. It's not like it's like, oh, hunky-dory peanuts and pineapples well, time. Maybe she, maybe she needed her support to do it. That's a good point. I know that whenever I straddle someone and punch them in the face, I always like to have some matronly present. By in, case, <laughs> in case he has to rescue you or what? Exactly. Because <laughs> I am a bitch boy. And so they find the girl. Everything's hunky-dory. They save her life. J-Lo decides to keep the dog, implying there's like at least a little chunk of, you know, Carl in her brain forever. Uh, you find out that he had like, you know, all the stuff like they find the torture device. They, he, you know, there's a picture of that in, as they're doing forensic digging around his little shitty house. And it ends with the scene with Edward being brought to, you know, her mind palace or whatever. And ta-da, that's the end, which I actually really like the ending. It's a very nice way of like wrapping a bow on something because it has a dour note. But then there's something good coming out of it, which sends the people home happy. The dog. Yes. So Singh told J-Lo not to rip the nipples in that last scene where she rips his nipples off before stabbing or shooting him with the crossbow. Yeah. And she did it anyway. And she, at the very end, he goes, okay, pull the nipples out. Pull, you know, she, said, she said, okay, pull his tits out. And so she does it. And so I, I wonder if that felt cathartic, like looking at these like things taunting her, like being told, you can't do this, you can't. And then finally at the end, it's like, you get to rip the tits. I feel like it would be one of those things where I would have no interest in ripping the tits. But if I was told not to for an entire day, by the time I was told I could, I'd be like, well, I got to have to now. Right. Wouldn't think twice about it. She'd just do it. Ta-da! I don't know. Yep. Sounds pretty painful. So the female bodybuilder that, that's brought in was originally just scripted as, quote, the helper. And then it was actually the production designer who decided to make her look like the you know bodybuilder and everything. And well, she, she did a really good job of it. If she wasn't a bodybuilder, she sure did look like one. Yeah. They had to build her those prosthetic boobs, which was to make oh. it very awkward and uh, like the okay, sexuality. So she was she was a bodybuilder. Yeah, they just gave her big boobs. Big old like super I've never big. seen big boobs like that on a bodybuilder. Weird, right? Never. Yeah. That's why I didn't think it was they were real, and I. 
And I thought it might not have been a woman. Yeah. And so for those of you who don't know, we're doing booby talk. That's what this is because we talked about the, the titty ripping and then this. So those are my, that's my titty trivia. I don't think you had to explain that, but that's okay. Okay. So at the I end I know of, you wanted to. Yeah. I've, I've been waiting. I've been chomping at the bit. <laughs> titty time. T- okay. So uh, real quick, at the end of our episodes, we always rate the movie. It's either a classic, which is a good, good movie, a trashic, which is a good, bad movie, which is a movie that's bad, but you like it, or there's a tragic, which is just out and out bad movie where it's bad, bad. There's no real redeeming quality. How do you rate this film? A B. So do you think it's a bad movie that you enjoyed? Yes. Okay. So I think you're definitely, it seems like, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it felt like you were kind of in the trash at camp this whole time. I'm a classic guy. I think that the the visuals, the storytelling, like the fact is like, I can think that the actors suck because the actors can suck and the movie still goes on with it. It's like, it's a tour de force where it's just the force of nature that's going to keep going. The narrative is visual you could literally have sock puppets, which I'm kind of into the idea of. I might green screen that later. Sock puppets do the other roles. You know, I think that'd be a better movie, but I, I digress. I love this movie. I think that you should do. Me personally. Yes. I'm, I'm judging you very hard. I right think now. that I loved it the first time I saw it yeah. based on the time that I saw it, but I, I don't feel that way anymore about it. Yeah. Cause yeah, like I said, you've lived through the first six months of 2020. Like, right. You, you're like, you're going to rip I somebody's nipples anything. out. <laughs> Please. We see that on the street corner every day. Seriously. Is there a murder hornet anywhere? (laughs) Get fucked. (laughs) But anyway, Rob, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for being on the show. You know what? I'd like to just say uh, to all your fans out there, thank you for your patience. I know I'm I'm way out of my genre here. So, you know, again, thank you for tuning in. Don't hold this against uh, my (laughs) son-in-law. You know, I, I, I just had to come on here and, you know, be a part of this. Well, yeah. And uh, where you're doing, you know, enjoyed what, myself, but uh, not not my forte. Well, you're doing what we're calling paternity leave, which is I'm stockpiling as many episodes as I can because I'm taking time off when our son is born, and this is how I'm stockpiling. So thank you for making yourself available. You and better show yourself. If I did this for nothing, I'm going to be really pissed. Yeah, make sure it gets the air. Oh, it definitely <laughs> will. I might even put it out the week of my birthday because this was such a gift to have you here in the garage oh, studio. Sure, it was. So for that, for Rob, for myself, for my wife who allowed all this to happen, my name is Jake reminding you to go out there and do something you love. And remember that that. all work and no power play makes Jack a dull boy. Can you do me a favor and make a mouth fart sound? See ya. Do that. No, that was good. No, you You, do it. No, I can't do it. That's how the show ends. That's good. You do this. Do it. I just did. Do it for I real. I just did. You heard it. Our audience will know no, if it's no, fake, no. Rob. Uh, trust me. You I, you just heard me do it. Don't make me lie to them. No. How does it go again? <laughs> exactly. I just did it. That was a weird episode, right? You loved it? I loved it. It was weird. So usually my father-in-law is like super balderdash, piss and vinegar, yelling and screaming and acting all kinds of nuts, which is why we kind of get along now. We just, we just kind of have a weird synergy where we're both really obnoxious, but in different ways. Anyway, he was all bashful, so I had to get like antagonistic with him. So I've already had some great feedback from our Patreon patrons who are like, hey, have him on again. So if you too liked having Rob on, let me know and I will guilt him into being on. What's great is that I have a built-in babysitter if he comes over to record because his wife hangs out with my wife. They watch the baby. Bada bing, bada boom. I get to talk about schlocky shit. We've already talked about like 20 other movies we could do. So yeah. Anyway, rambling. I need to get on task. 
I need to have order in the courtroom or court order. Yeah, that was kind of janky, but whatever. I've already recorded it. I'm not going back. Court order is the band for this week. I have this weird sense of like deja vu, but excitement about this band because it feels so familiar in a lot of ways with bands like Hatebreed, but at the same point, they feel new, and god damn it, I love their album artwork. Years ago, I was in some shitty band and we did a nautical theme, and then I see this and I'm like, yep, that's why we didn't make it. These fools will. Their new album, the self-titled Court Order, comes out August 7th. You can check everything out in the link in the episode description. Do the link tree slash court order, you'll find it. Their Instagram is courtorderhc for hardcore mother uckas. Anyway, this is their song, Poor Excuse, but it should be changed to Rich Reason because it is a rich reason why you should listen. Man, that's even worse than my last one, but again, still already recorded, so it's better than content I don't have. Uh, Enjoy Court Order with their song, Poor Excuse. Excuse. 